Just love that song. Just speaks to me every time. I don't know about you, but the prayers of parents for their children are never ending. Doesn't matter how young or how old they are. Doesn't matter whether they're in good times or bad times. It's always so important for us to pray for our children. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 12 to 23. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. For those of you that were here last week, this is the second part of chapter 6 that we read last week. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey their desires. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law but under grace. What then should we, what then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become enslaved to righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading you to even more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what fruit did you gain then from these things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the fruit you have leads to sanctification, and the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free spirit of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this time of worship and of being close to you, Lord, of receiving the elements of your table and of being reminded of your goodness and your grace. Lord, as we come to this word, we ask, oh Lord, that you'll speak to us through it, that you will use my thoughts to be your thoughts, and oh Lord, that you will give us exactly what we need to hear this morning from you. Help us, oh Lord, to treasure this word and bring it into our hearts. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As I said, this is a continuation from the scripture from last week. And there, you know, Paul, Paul likes to repeat himself sometimes because he wants to make the point. And if, if you've ever taught anybody anything, you know that repetition is the key. You can't just say it once. You got to say it two times and three times and four times and five times so that it'll really sink in. Paul, in essence, continues his explanation to the church in Rome about why they must not continue sinning after they have accepted Jesus Christ. 
He's trying to explain to them why the grace of God is not a free pass to just do whatever you want, why it's something that actually invites us to live differently. And last week we learned that in order to do that, we as Christians have to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus. That we have to basically put away the old self to be born again. Paul wants to flesh out what this means for us this week. What is the result of being buried and being raised with Christ? What difference is it supposed to make in our lives? Paul explains that one thing that has to change is that we must no longer allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. In other words, before when we were in sin, sin was our master, and it told us and led us to do things that we shouldn't do. And sin reigned over us. It had control over us. But when we came to Christ, we declared that Christ Jesus was the only Lord of our lives. We basically declared his lordship and declared that we would no longer obey or follow sin. That sin would no longer be our master. As I said last week, we basically declared ourselves free from sin and enslaved to Christ. We took on a new master or as I said last week, a new love. Now our love is Jesus Christ. Before we used to serve sin with our bodies, and now we are to present that very same, listen to this, that very same sinful body to God to be used. Our bodies are supposed to be instruments of righteousness to be used by him as he pleases. So how do you take an instrument of unrighteousness and turn it into an instrument of righteousness? Well, I'll give you a hint. Can't do it by yourself. You can't just better yourself to the point that you are just a righteous person all by your lonesome. You can't will yourself into righteousness. You can't improve yourself to the point that you can stand as righteous before God. The Bible tells us there is not good, not even one. And we know that Jesus was the only one who was sinless in this life. So if we can't do it ourselves, then, then how can we turn from an instrument of unrighteousness to an instrument of righteousness. Well, Paul basically says, you present yourself before God, and he does the transformation. It is God that turns us into what he wants us to be. He works in us to turn us into righteousness when we really were full of unrighteousness in our sin before so it's hard to understand and wrap your head around. So let me put it this way. You take a knife and you put it in the hands of a criminal and it becomes a deadly weapon that can cause much harm and much destruction and much grief and much sadness. You take that same knife and you put it in the hands of a surgeon and it can become a tool that brings life 
and that helps somebody who is going through something that needs an operation. When we put our hand, ourselves in the hands of God, when we present our bodies to God and we say, God, here I am. Paul is saying, basically, you're telling God, here I am, use me for your good. Use me for your kingdom. Use me for your purposes. Use me to spread your good news. Use me to bring people from darkness to light. Use me and humble me until I am completely spent for you. It's a total surrender that Paul is inviting us to. He's basically saying, in order for you to be transformed from unrighteousness to righteousness, you basically have to completely give yourself up to God. You can't hold anything back. You can't say, I'll give you some of myself, but not all of myself. You've got to give up your will. You've got to give up your desires. You've got to give up those things that the world says are important so that you can adopt the mindset of Christ. When we do this, Paul says that we go from being slaves to sin and of unrighteousness to being slaves of righteousness. We change masters. We basically say, God is now my master. God is the one that I pledge my allegiance to. God is the one that I am willing to live and die for. Sometimes we're willing to live for him, but are we willing to die for him, to die to ourselves, to die to our own desires and our own ambitions and our own goals so that his plan can be fulfilled in our lives. Paul wants us to understand that this can only be done when we become servants of Christ, when we really surrender to him and give ourselves fully. And I liken it to this. When we give ourselves to God as sinners, that we are, we basically put a brush in God's hand and we let the artist paint a masterpiece on us to put the image of Christ in us. But then I thought about that image and I said, it's just not enough. So I, then I went to a sculpture because when God comes to our lives, he doesn't just impose an image, he brings out the image of Christ from us by chiseling away those things that are not pleasing to him, by taking them out, by sanctifying our lives and making us more Christ-like. He gives us a new identity in Christ. He calls us to be holy. He removes that from us which is not part of his plan for our lives. And sometimes that's difficult. But God doesn't make mistakes. We might not always understand what he's doing in our lives. Anybody else felt that way sometimes? You're like, God, what are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. Where are you? What is going on? You know, we have those moments where we just don't understand. But God has his reasons. And many of his reasons have to do with transforming us from the inside out with humbling us and reminding us that we need him, with helping us to understand just how much he loves us. You know, if we never went through need, we wouldn't understand supply. If we didn't go through sadness, we wouldn't understand joy. 
If we didn't go through pain, we never would understand the comfort of not having it. So many things that we go through life are teaching us more and more about who we are in Christ, our identity in Him, and who He is making us to be when we place ourselves in His hands. And Paul says that as we are being sanctified, basically our lives are giving a witness of who God is in us. When people see what God is doing in you, when people see the contrast of what the gift of Jesus Christ has made in you, they want to know Jesus. They want to know that Lord. They want to understand what it is that he's able to do, not just for you, but for them. They want to know that it can happen in their lives because they see the fruit of the Spirit that's coming out of that sanctification that is happening in your life. Paul reminds us that all of this is done by God's grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not even our doing. It's God's doing in us and through us and for us. And then he reminds us that when slave was our master, it didn't do us any good. It didn't do us any favors. He says, those things that you did while you were in sin were embarrassing. You wouldn't want to tell anybody about them anymore. You'd, you'd rather nobody ever remembered, you know. Some of us are happy that Facebook didn't exist when we were young. You know, and that there was no social media to capture all of our failures, right? Because we all have them. He says, sin is embarrassing. And not only is it embarrassing, it leads to death because the wages of sin are death. So it doesn't even give you anything good. You know, whenever I hear somebody giving a testimony and they're talking about where God brought them from, I always get a little leery when they celebrate all the bad stuff they did before Jesus saved them. Because sin should not be celebrated. It should be a shame to us that we have done things that have hurt the heart of God who died on a cross for us. It should be a shame to us that things we have done put him there in the first place. Sin is not to be celebrated. But Paul says basically, when you compare what God has to offer to what sin has to offer, it should be no contest. Eternal life versus death, duh, you know, obvious choice. But so many still choose to continue to be a slave to sins because they just want to do what they want to do instead of surrendering to God. We're all supposed to turn ourselves to God and become his instruments and his tools. And the only question is, whose tool are you going to be? Are you going to be a tool or an instrument in God's hands, or are you going to be a tool and an instrument in sin's hands? That's the only question. Are you going to work for God, or are you going to work for the other side? Are you going to serve sin, or are you going to serve God as your Lord and as your Savior, Scripture teaches us that we cannot serve two masters. It's not possible to do that. We will love one and despise the other. And so Paul basically tells the Romans, 
Choose to serve righteousness. Choose to surrender yourselves in the hands of the master. Allow him to sanctify your mortal bodies so that you become tools in his hands for the kingdom of God so that he can use you to reach more people. Scripture teaches us that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Should the temple of the Holy Spirit be mingled with sin? No, should not. Today, I think Paul is really inviting us to truly surrender, not just parts of us, not just the parts that are kind of on the periphery, but everything about ourselves to him. He's telling us, I want you to trust me with your life, with your children, with your job, with your finances, with your decisions, with your relationships, with your time, with your everything. I don't want you to hold anything back. There is no reason for us to hold anything back from the God who loves us so much that he gave his son on the cross. And you're not going to get a better offer than what he has offered you. Forgiveness of all your sins eternal life, and love never ending. I mean, that offer is hard to beat. I mean, maybe you could add an all-you-can-eat buffet and just top it off, but that's about it. I mean, it's just a really good offer. And yet, how many times do we find ourselves holding back? You know, God cares about all of the details in our lives. He wants to be in everything that is important to us. Nothing should be left out. We were doing this week with the children. I'm always amazed at how children's lessons always teach us adults that are teaching it so much. They always give us so much. that I see all the, all the people that have taught children going, yeah, 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 we're right there with you. Because you learn so much. And... One of the things that just kept coming up, of course, with the themes of God is good was that God's goodness does not depend on me. It does not depend on my daily struggles. It does not depend on what's going on in the world. It does not depend on other people. It doesn't even depend on my church or my country or my affiliations or any of those things. God's goodness is forever. It's eternal, as is his love. And that goodness reaches out to us every single day because God wants to sanctify our lives and to make us his. The scripture tells us that when we come to Jesus, he even has a new name for us written in the book of life. I mean, think about that. You're so special that God has already selected a new name for you. A name that only he knows. I can't wait to get up there and find out what he gave me. It's exciting to know that we are that loved by God. That he wants to call us his own. Today I just want to invite you to place yourself in God's hands. To allow him to transform you, sanctify you, and make you and mold you into whatever he wants you to be.
Let him chisel away the parts that need to be removed. Let him pour more of himself into you so that you are full of the Holy Spirit. And let him use you as a tool that brings life because you are sharing his good news with other people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for, for the invitation, Lord, to allow ourselves to be in your hands, to give you free reign, O Lord, in every aspect of our lives, and to ask you, O Lord, to sanctify us, to make us holy, to separate us for you and for your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to continue to be made in the image of Jesus Christ, your Son, who, being God, did not take that as something to be proud of, but rather humbled himself in a cross. Help us to learn from his humility, from his love, from his willingness to sacrifice it all. And help us to love one another by sharing your good news, by inviting more and more people to come into your kingdom, by being light in the darkness. Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs to place something in your hands, I ask that you'll bring them to the altar today, that they'll let us pray with them, and that you will work on that in their lives. We just pray that on this day in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is always open if you would like to come up for prayer. If you want to pray by yourself, there is a reserved spot right here. If you want us to pray with you, you can come anywhere else in the altar, and our prayer team will be glad to pray with you this morning.